We ask your Holy Spirit to have preeminence in this service, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. If you love the Lord, say Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Today we begin a new and exciting series entitled, A Life Worth Living. Maybe you can flash that on the screen. In this series, you will discover that life is worth living if we will invest in the kingdom of God Invest in the lives of others, invest in personal growth, invest in relationships. Jesus invites us into a rich and satisfying life that comes through living His way. The only way to be spiritually rich is by making spiritual investments. Today we will, I will speak about investing in the kingdom of God. And if you have your Bibles with you, open with me to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38. And it says there, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap, For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen. Praise God. Let me give you a story out of history. His name was Fleming. He was a poor Scottish farmer. One day while he was working in the field, he heard a cry for help coming from a nearby bog. He dropped his tools and ran to the bog and there Waist deep in a black muck was a terrified young boy screaming and struggling, trying to save himself, but sinking. The farmer Fleming pulled the boy and saved him from what would have been a terrifying death. The next day, a fancy carriage pulled up to the Scotchman's house and an elegantly dressed Nobleman stepped out and introduced himself as the father of the boy that the farmer had dragged from the bug. The nobleman said to the farmer, I want to repay you. You saved my son's life. The farmer said, I refuse to accept payment. At that exact moment, the farmer's son came to the door of their very modest house. And the nobleman asked, is that your son? And the farmer said, yes. The nobleman said, then let me repay you this way. Let me provide for your son the same education that my son will have. And the farmer said, yes, I'll accept that. The young man went to the finest schools in England. He graduated from St. Mary's Hospital, the medical school in London, and he and went on to become famous around the world, known as Sir Alexander Fleming. 
who discovered penicillin. Now follow the story. Years later, the same nobleman's son who was saved from the bog was stricken by pneumonia. And his life was saved by penicillin. The name of the nobleman? Lord Randolph Churchill. And his son's name? Sir Winston Churchill. Give and it shall be given back to you. In good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Today, I want you to discover an investment that you can enjoy and reap the rewards in this life as well as the next life to come. You will discover that the best and only place to invest is for your, for your future is in God's kingdom. Investing in, in the kingdom of God is not limited to fighting your money, but it also includes bringing others to Christ and all acts of obedience to God. Matthew 6, 20, 21, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where Revenue Canada could not steal and break it also. Uh, that's, my, that's my version. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus is inviting us into this rich and satisfying life that comes through living His way. That the only way to be spiritually rich is by making spiritual investments. Jesus gave us 38 parables and 16 of those 38 parables deal with money management. More is said in the New Testament about money than heaven and hell combined. Five times more is said about money than prayer. While there are 500 plus verses on both prayer and faith, there are over 2,000 verses dealing with money and possessions. Think about that. How many of you would like to be blessed by God abundantly? To open the windows of heaven and bless you with blessings that you could not contain. To give you wells that you did not dig and vineyard you did not plant and houses you did not build. And to fill your barns with overflowing. How many of you would like to experience that? It will only happen if you and I will obey the word of God. For everything starts and stops. In the word of God. There's no magic to this. There's no name it and claim it formula here. I don't believe in prosperity for the sake of prosperity. I don't believe in prosperity without obedience to the word of God. We obey God because he is God and we love him. Not for the prosperity that he promised. And also. If. Prosperity and wealth is a sign of approval from God, then Bill Gates should qualify as the fourth member of the Trinity. And Donald Trump should be the thirteenth apostle. Money makes people do strange things. How many of you know about that? Money makes people do strange things. It really does. Mrs. Smith had decided to have her portrait painted. And she called in the artist. And the artist came, and she said to the artist, 
I want you to paint me with huge diamond earrings. And I want you to paint me with a striking diamond necklace. And with a dazzling emerald bracelet on both arms. And I want you to have, I want you to paint with a massive ruby pendant. And I want it to be big. And the artist said, you are not wearing any of these jewelries. And Mrs. Smith said, I know. If in case I die, I know my husband would remarry. And I want his new wife to go nuts looking for that jewelry. <laughs> and all the women said, there you go. Now we have complete communication. You will either master your money or your money will master you. Period. Money can buy you a palace. It can fill up with beautiful furniture and can fill up the garage with beautiful cars. But it cannot buy you a home where you can find love and respect. Money can buy you the finest doctors, but only God can give you health. Amen. I've seen rich people who've been sucking on Maalox and eating cottage cheese. And I can eat the best steak in the house. Which one do you prefer? Amen. Money can buy you a bed of gold, but only God can give you peace and only God can give you rest. Money can put a gold diamond studded crucifix around your neck, but it will not put Jesus Christ into your heart. Why should we invest in the kingdom of God? One, because God wants us to completely trust Him. Two, God wants us to invest in the kingdom of God because God wants our heart. Thirdly, because God wants His kingdom to be first, to be our first priority. Number one, because God wants us to completely trust Him. When you and I invest in the kingdom of God, it shows that we trust Him. Because giving is a matter of trust and obedience. The rich young ruler came to Jesus to find out how to obtain eternal life. Christ did not give him a profound theological explanation, but instead Jesus exposed his self-righteousness and uncovered his love for money. And the rich young ruler walked away sad, turning his back from the giver of eternal life, Jesus Christ. Why? Because he loved and trusted his money and possessions more than God. Our attitude toward money is often the pulse of the heart of our discipleship. Money will reveal who you really are. Many Christians are reluctant to give their tithes because they are fully convinced, they are not fully convinced that God is their source. Let me tell you this. The government is not your source. God is. The stock market is not your source. God is. 
Your RRSP account is not your source. God is. The Canada Pension Plan is not your source. God is. Your rich relatives are not your source. God is. Your employer is not your source. God is. And when you believe that, it will certainly revolutionize the way you look at money. You know, I've heard a lot of people saying, the government gave me money. The government gave me The government doesn't give you money at all. You know, when, when you hear that, when I hear people saying, the government gave me money, I always think of a person giving a blood transfusion from left hand to the right arm. And 90% of the blood dropping to the ground and only 10% goes to him. So think about that. God wants us to invest in the kingdom of God. Because God wants our heart. He wants your heart. The Bible says, For whatever your treasure is, there is your hearts and thoughts will always be. When we lay treasures here on earth, our hearts and thoughts will always be on earth. If we invest our treasures in a financial institution and it went bankrupt, guess what happens? If you have been reading the newspaper in the past 12 months, a German billionaire committed suicide because he became a millionaire. I have no problem with that, but hey. <laughs> Investing in this world is like trading cards on the deck of Titanic. Lots of activities, and it's all going down and sink. Amen? But if we invest our treasures in the kingdom of God, our hearts and thoughts will always be in heaven. And God wants our heart. Jesus does not condemn saving money for the future or having certain treasures in your home that you value. But what he condemned is the attitude toward money and possessions that makes these things more important than eternal life. You know, there are times we give up things to God. Lord, take this and, you know, I give this to you. But there are certain things that we withhold from God. Do you agree with that? There are certain things. Sometimes we, we, we keep to ourselves. And you know what? God will not take the one you are giving to Him. But God wants, what He wants is the one you are withholding from Him. Because wherever your treasure is, there is your hearts and thoughts will always be. And your heart is on that thing that you are withholding from Him. And God wants your heart. The Bible says in Matthew 6.20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where Revenue Canada can't touch it. I don't know, I can't get away with that. Let me drink my water here. 
Because uh, why should we invest in the kingdom of God? Thirdly, because God wants his kingdom to be our first priority. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. And it reveals who and what are our priorities. When the offering plate goes around, it is always, guess what? Decision time. Your checkbook is a spiritual reflection of what your priorities really are. It is a spiritual reflection of your love of God. Look at it. I just, I just made up these numbers. Trip to Hawaii. $10,000. Sites, $20. New car, $30,000. Offering, $10. Poodle shampoo, $150. <laughs> Missions giving, $5. Remember, you are the steward and he is the owner. You and I will give an account how we manage his resources when we see him at the judgment seat of Christ. What are you going to say to God when you have invested more on your poodle than the Prince of Peace? What are you going to say to God when you have invested more on designer clothes than the King of Kings? What are you going to say to God when you have invested more on nice cars than Christ? Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with poodle, designer clothes, and nice cars. I'm all for that. It is when our possessions possess us, then there's something wrong. And our priorities are twisted. Then there, are, there is something wrong. For the Bible says in Luke fifteen twelve, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Think about that. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. May God help us to rearrange our priorities. Do you really want to know what is God's master financial plan for you? Here it is. Luke 6.38. And it says there, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you. There is no other financial plan that works like this book. This book is your master financial plan. This is the perfect financial plan for you. And this is the only God's method of prosperity for your life. Always to give generously and selfishly and sacrificially as possible. The Bible says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The underlying truth is this. Generosity is giving results in a greater reward from God. God is not limited by what you have. God is limited by what you give. I remember, I'd like to tell my life story about tithing. Back when, uh, when I got, when I, when I met the Lord, and that was in 1981. It's a long time ago. 1981. I was 21 years old at that time. I was a student. And I learned about giving and tithing already at that, at that point through the Bible studies that I've attended. And I promise God that when I have a job, I will give my first paycheck to him, the whole thing. I promise God. And then years later, after I graduated and I got my first job, it's not a big paycheck, but that was my best. First paycheck came, and I gave it to the Lord. There's some, you know, some hesitation. I'm not, not making it so simple, but, you know, there is some hesitations there. But I promised to God that I will give it to him. And I gave my whole paycheck. And this is what I've been telling my kids also, that when they, when they have their first paycheck, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. And so... I gave my first paycheck to God. Now fast forward to 1994. I quit my job in, in American Samoa and I moved back and I moved to uh, Richmond, California, which is a suburb of San Francisco. Uh, Arlene and, uh, and Jonathan went back to the Philippines and then I, I, I dropped them to the, uh, bring them to the Philippines and then went to uh, San Francisco. By myself. So in San Francisco, I, I connected with a church. And the pastor was so nice to me. He let me stay in his house. I didn't, I didn't have an income. Nothing at all. And I live in his small room in his, uh, in his house. There, God taught me many things. To obey him. To be faithful to him. I didn't have any paychecks coming in. I was there helping in everything in the church. I would be, I would be having Bible studies in the middle of the week. I would have, I would have Sunday school, adult Sunday schools. And, and there are times he would be, uh, he would be doing something else. He'll, he'll miss the church and I will be preaching in the morning and I will preach in the evening. And there God showed me how faithful he was. And because there were times I don't have the money. And after preaching or teaching, people will give me money. Hand, you know, you have what, what he called that Pentecostal handshake. And, you know, and they give me, hand me money. And that's where, I, you know, I get that money. And so many, many weeks went by and months. There was a person in the church who bought a house. He bought a house, and somehow 
after a few weeks, he got a, a letter from his employer that he, they are moving him to Guam. Now he just bought a house. He has two kids, and he's moving to Guam. And he asked me, this guy is a member of the church, this guy. And he asked me, Jesse, if you want to, uh, I'd like to ask you to stay in my place and take care of my kids. I will provide everything. He will pay for the house. He will pay for all the utilities. And lo and behold, for four and a half years, I stayed in that house and I never spent a penny to pay for utilities or anything. He even sends money for whatever reasons. Just imagine where in the world in North America you will live for four and a half years for free. Why? Because I have invested in God's kingdom and I was reaping it now. And thank God, God is a faithful God. You can test him. You can prove him. You can prove him by giving. And he will give you the rewards that you are looking for. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus is a faithful God. That's why God is not limited by what you have. God is limited by what you give. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over into your bosom. For the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord God, for this short message, Lord. Father, you spoke to us this morning. You spoke to us from your heart to the heart of your people, Lord God. Father, may we learn, Lord God, to be generous in our giving, Lord God. May we understand, Lord, that you are our source, Lord God. It's not our employer. It's not the government. It's not our investments, Lord God. May we understand that you are our source. Lord, without you, we can never even take our next breath or even our next heartbeat, Lord God. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness, Lord God. Thank you for you are our Jehovah Jireh, oh God. The God who provides, oh God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Praise the Lord.